57, all those flavors you don't know about in five, four, three, two. Foggy is a super freak, super freak. Foggy is a super geek, super geek. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There you go. Welcome to Wanderings and Full Gathering, episode 57, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. On tonight's episode, we tap the bottle, revisit an old friend with some new music, and we get juvenile with the In Bed Challenge. I'm your host, Foggy. With me, as always, JPP. Hello, Foggy. How are you today? I'm going to pass you up. And joining us, the educator, El Ray, Mr. Joe Wright. Uh... It's Joe. It's Joe. What do you know? It's Joe. Uh... Do you know, Joe? Thank you. Good night. All right. <laughs> Not much, man. Summer is in full gear, feels like, so. Good 80 degrees sunshine oh my gosh no indy 500 that's kind of strange so mm -hmm. yeah that was weird but it, uh yeah getting was. outside when it's 80 and doing yard work feels good again yeah i guess it wasn't that weird there wasn't a race last week there wasn't one this week just, <laughs> looking back it'll be weird but no it's weird not to have the whole month of may um but it does feel like we're headed for a hot summer here in indiana so i'll take it on i will take it for sure how things your way jpp things are good things are always good just uh working away like crazy listening to some awesome music and getting super duper excited in that realm and uh, also in what little free time we have kind of introducing my daughter to the marvel cinematic universe we mm -hmm. were on guardians of the galaxy today we're going in release order and uh, she's she's loving it and comes equipped with millions of questions each time so so you're doing them all like all is it 26 I believe so. Yeah, I'm with the exception of the Incredible Hulk because we don't have a physical copy and I don't I can't find it on streaming anywhere. But we'll we'll get to that one at some point, but nonetheless we're uh going through all the the prominent ones on Disney Plus and she's Iron Man's her favorite right now. <laughs> that first one is I mean, that's what started it all. It's hard yep. to say that there are any that are better when you look at the context of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny too because we watched The Dark World not to go on a uh tangent mm -hmm. but we didn't remember my wife and i both were like i don't remember the storyline at all and we when we revisited it, it was like yeah Is that with I mean, malekith yes and it's like i can see why you know the story had to happen but at the end of the day when you're there in the moment and you haven't seen the big picture you're just kind of like oh that one was a little bit of a dud yeah i think i would say that's pretty consistent across the board most people rate that in their bottom three or four mm-hmm but you know, it's still got its a lot of enjoyable moments and stuff. And I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Eccleston. You know, mm -hmm. played Malik Ethan. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he's a great actor, and and he did that role really, really well. It's just, I don't know. It was a little drab. And my wife, my wife's biggest complaint was Jane was just way too serious. But after Ragnarok, I mean, it's hard to kind of hold the Dark World in high regard. Yeah, and it was like they, it was like this supposed to be this real serious movie, but they tried to funny it up. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work like it did uh, in Ragnarok. So. Right, right. So, but yeah, that's all we've been up to. Cool. That's a fun little trip you guys are on. Yeah, looking forward to the rest of it. All right. Well, we do have a big show. We got a lot to cover tonight. And um, by the way, did you get my 57 reference? 
I did. What was I, it? Smarty Pants. <laughs> it was ketchup, right? No, I'm kidding. Who are you again? I was too busy getting my vocoder going. No, no, no. I already had it on there. You had mentioned the Heinz 57. I said we tapped the bottle. You're supposed oh. to tap the number 57 oh, yeah, yeah. to make the ketchup come out. That's yeah. the truth. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Got I've never out. tried it if it's true, but I think it's I true. I don't know. It could be a, I don't know. Could be one of those things. Just to make I, people look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the bottle. It, you know, there's somebody going, I put this on the internet. I'm going to see how many people fall for it. <laughs> Could be. I think that's on their official site. Anyway, we're really digressing now, talking about hmm. ketchup. So <laughs> we got things, more important things to do. We've got uh, Lester Bang's inspired challenges with Mr. Joe Rife. So oh, yeah. try to stump us. All right, gents. Uh, I have an album review for you. And so uh, see if you can get the, the album. Uh, I guess we would take the artist as well, but I think if you get the artist, you'll probably get the album not far behind. So uh, let's let's give her a shot. And I'm really I bu we're bu I'm bummed that we were talking up off air. We're bummed that Monday's not here because I really want to hang a curveball over the plate for him. So we'll see. Uh, maybe he's home listening and he'll get it. He'll be yelling at the radio. We're <laughs> not on the radio, are we? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, here we go. While much of popular music in 1985 was moving towards more synth-based compositions and refined production, uh, this artist decided to return to his roots on this release. In fact, he was so dedicated to incorporating the sound of classic 1960s music that he mandated to his band that they learn about a hundred old singles verbatim while rehearsing for recording the album. The result was a highly entertaining and successful album, which set the template for many future works. Uh, his breakthrough album was in 1982, which was his fifth release. Uh, following his success, um, he switched things up on future releases. I'm editing because I forgot to write that line out. Okay, here we go. Uh, this album was the first to be re recorded in the artist's own studios, along with the definitive 60s musical theme. The lyrical theme of this album was the transitional economy which saw the ruin of many family farms during the era, giving the album an overall bittersweet tone. The main album theme is portrayed on the opening track. Chanting lyrics are dark and desperate, while musically this track builds on a 60s-type folk riff with bright guitars and direct bass. Uh, the next tune follows as a short interlude of a traditional tune uh, sung by the artist's actual grandmother. This links to the next track, a standard folk rocker built with a strong and direct drum beat. The song reached number six on the U.S. pop charts and was adopted as a rustic theme by many subsequent interests. Uh, the next track is in the same vibe as the previous song with some interesting percussive effects and other little sonic treats. This <laughs> song does get interesting and intense later on with backing vocals complementing the rest of the ensemble. Uh, the next tune starts with a simple, with simple dueling riffs, which are worked in well by the steady beat of the song. This popular track contains some of the best melodies on the album, with the title inspired by a line from the 1963 film HUD, starring Paul Newman. The next tune is built on a unique bass riff, accompanied by bouncy guitar and choppy keyboards throughout. However, it is the drumming which shines brightest on this track. The original second side begins with a drum-driven funk rocker which attempts to cleverly use titles as names for members of a family. Next track is the song on the album which sounds closest to the artist's old sound, 
as a direct rocker with subtle guitar riffs and backing vocals. The catchy next song is an acoustic pop number with plenty of melody and entertaining riffs, more great bass, and perfect blend of guitars. The next track stays in the same vein as much of the other songs musically, but seems to randomly drop famous people and events and seems to try too hard to make a profound point. And the closing track finds the intended sound perfectly. This catchy top 10 pop hit with definitive 60s elements and topical tributes features a cool midsection with a nice array of short instrumental leads, including a penny whistle organ. Despite all this, the artist was initially reluctant to include the song on the album, feeling it was too lighthearted in contrast to the more serious songs. That is the end of the review proper. And if you need another hint, I'm going to read the last paragraph. But I'm going to let you see if you can take a step. I think I, know. I think I do too. Is it Melon Camp Scarecrow? It is Melon yep, Camp exactly. Scarecrow. <laughs> awesome! It was the whole farm aspect that that uh, sold me on that idea. The, the last paragraph says, following its release, the album peaked at number two in the U.S. and spawned a major tour through 1985 and 86. And then I had a super hint in the spirit of the album's theme. Melon Camp helped organize the first Farm Aid benefit farm concert, Aid. an yeah. annual event, mm-hmm. which continues three decades later yes sir yep and um yeah kenny arnoff when you said you know the bit about the drums I was like, yeah he's talking about kenny there <laughs> a badass it's so kenny, funny to go kenny through follows me on twitter and i think it's because of this show no i'm just kidding he started following <laughs> me before the show and i don't know why interesting yeah <laughs> yeah the, the personnel on that album is really killer larry crane mm-hmm. of course melon camp kenny arnoff and then you've got um toby myers on bass john mm-hmm. casello on keyboards um laura mellencamp on grandma's theme yeah yep um uh, mimi mapes on minutes to memory so yeah there's a uh, and rye cooters on there too uh, the slide guitar on the kind of fella i am i mm-hmm. think i first got turned on to uh rise work with the crossroads soundtrack ah uh, yes <laughs> so good good, one. good job guys yeah thank you. well hey thanks we'll see if monday got it or not but he well. did he did <laughs> We're from Indiana. Of course we got it. If you weren't from Indiana, you probably wouldn't have got it. <laughs> it's Hard. it's uh we're shaking up the, the to see who the real Hoosiers are around here. Yeah, well, you know, you guys the, spirit of, the spirit of the Indy 500, I'm surprised. I was actually kind of wondering if it was going to be a Jim Neighbors release. <laughs> oh <something>. man. No. <laughs> going back to Mayberry, everybody. Uh, I'm gonna take a second and see if I can find a Jim Neighbors album review. You guys can talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> might be a rabbit hole. <laughs> right. See you next week, Joe. <laughs> All right. Well, I believe that I have uh, Lester Bangs next week. I'm gonna come back and stump you all. I think we ought to also think about maybe doing a few more of these and taking a break for a little while. Come up with another. Clever game to stump our folks out there. What do you guys think? Sure. That's okay, fine. Paul, since you uh, said like sure it. first, I think you have to come up with the game. So, Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Put in bed at the end of every song title every week. <laughs> that sounds like a great one. When can we do it? <laughs> How about now? I'll about now. All right. You did have the challenge. Fill us in. We'll get this thing taken care of. <sighs> okay. First off, since we are reviewing Beauty and Chaos's newest album today i know michael's going to give a listen so michael i'm sorry that i went completely juvenile with this challenge and you have to sit through this but uh as a kid 
the, the goofy thing to do with fortune cookies was to break them open, read your fortune, and add the phrase in bed at the end of it. So I thought, hey, what the hell? We'll do the same thing with song titles. We'll call it the fortune cookie challenge. That sounds better than the in bed challenge. Yeah, yeah that really does. <laughs> um, well, I'll start off because I've got Mondays. Cool. I mean, Metalhead Mindy, <laughs> as he called himself. <laughs> uh, classic. Okay, so here are his. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. His first one was Anthrax. Room for one more. In, in bed. bed. In bed. Uh, Wraith Child America. Wrath Child America, sorry. Mm -hmm. Surrounded by idiots. In bed. <laughs> tell your wife that. That's a college song. <laughs> And then, uh, again, he said he's recycling from last week. He's got stabbing westward. What do I have to do in bed? So <laughs> those, were, those were his three choices. Uh, consult the Google before the evening begins, essentially. <laughs> um, yeah, excellent. Um, I looked. <laughs> I didn't use these, but my first thoughts were I went straight to Maynard. Mm -hmm. But the songs were so clearly disgusting and juvenile already that they didn't need in bed. But I first came up, Stink Fist. Yep. <laughs> Prison Sex. <laughs> Country Boner. <laughs> and Vagina Mine in bed. <laughs> so I didn't pick those because they didn't need in bed. No, they're, they're stand out on their own. <laughs> they're too easy already. That's right. <laughs> Let's go round table. Joe, what's your first one? Um, I, I'll preface this by saying I, there was no more logical band to pick from than the Bare Naked Ladies. So, uh, you'll have to remember each one of these. It kind of tells a story. The first one is, "What a good boy." <laughs> That's ooh, we need the "It's Nasty" track. That's nasty. <laughs> um, okay, for my first one, I went with a theme, and I think you'll get the theme. By the end, so the first one was Slipknot's Disaster Piece in bed. <laughs> yeah, mine are not pretty tracks, so self deprecating, exactly. <laughs> nice, all right. My go, all yep. right, all by myself <laughs> in bed. Don't want to be <laughs> better than with a room full you're, of idiots or whatever. <laughs> you're on my track with my songs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All oh, right, Joe, what, do you, what do you have? Uh, second Bare Naked Lady song is This Is Where It Ends. <laughs> I think we're all kind of on this theme. Um, I cheated. I Tonyized this one because we needed a duo from Metallica. It's sad but true. Bad. And, and King Nothing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. In bed. In bed. <laughs> JPP. I also went with Metallica, but I chose The Unforgiven in bed. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> All right, Joe, what do the Bare Naked Ladies have for us? Too little, too late. In bed. <laughs> What a good boy. This is where it ends. Too little, too late. Sounds funny when you say them all together. It's a mini rock opera. <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, last one is Ghost of a Chance in bed. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, sad, it's sad but true in this lineup. It's funny. 
My last one, I went with a Jim Co- Croce favorite, Cats in the Cradle <laughs> in bed. <laughs> Had to get weird. <laughs> My honorable mention was Don't You Forget About Me. <laughs> <laughs> he is king nothing after all. That is awesome. All right. That was a quick and silly one. That was fun. Quick and silly, man. If we put that out there, I bet people could just come up with. And maybe I'll throw that on Instagram. You guys throw it on yours. And we'll do it on the Facebook page. And we'll see what people can come up with, see if they can make us laugh. Sounds good. Yeah, we might get some gems out there that we didn't even think of. That would be nice. As you start going through it, I mean, about any song, um, girls just want to have fun. You know, if we want to go back and look at music we don't normally listen to. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, there's yeah about anything. So all shook up. So please, if you see that from us, um, play along and add some songs to our list for us. So for next week, as you guys know, Metalhead's dealing with a lot of stuff right now, um, and so he wanted to do something a little silly as well. He didn't want to get serious with the challenge. So his idea was pick two or three, whatever you want, but your favorite silly. <laughs> Or novelty songs. Oh. Anything that makes you laugh, but preferably intentionally, not just Nickelback's entire catalog. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy. He, he said that. I didn't. And then he said it could be Weird Al, could be something Dr. Demento, could even be Disco Duck. Just two or three, bring the funny. That's his challenge. Got it. All right. And to that we say... Challenge accepted. That's good. We'll do that one next week. There won't be one the following week. Um, And JPP, why won't there be one the following week? You're talking about next week or the week after? The week after. I'll let you break the big news. My my concept of time is is kind of out the window given this whole quarantine. But uh, yeah, we're going to have... friend of the show come on and, and chat with us about uh, a new album release that we're talking about today yes indeed folks michael Ciravolo will be back in the studio with us uh we'll have to make sure we invite tish for, to come along as well i know she didn't uh have as much i don't think to do with this one as the last one but uh, they were dynamic together so i'd love to have them both back on the show and that brings us to the album review beauty and chaos is back this is I guess you'd call it their third. Uh, we had the first one, and then we had the remastered, or um, they kind of broke it down. And yeah, so we'll call this one the third one, "The Storm Before the Calm." It's seven songs, six songs, and then a twenty-nine minute epic. So, Joe, did you go back and listen to the first one, or did you just dig into this one? Oh no, I went back to the catalog and and listened to some. I didn't do a straight through listen. Uh, you had been telling me this was coming and you kept saying, you know, these guys and I had not. So I did a little introduction to them. I was really glad that I did. Um, I really enjoyed this album and I really enjoyed their old stuff too. So I, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it. Me too. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what I have to say. <laughs> no i'm just i'm kidding um i'll just say this to start off before we even really dig into the record you know this is i guess legitimately the second of the actual new music but the cool thing about it is he 
Michael must have like a really singular vision that he can get across to the people when they make the record because every song has a new singer. And on the previous record, there were different musicians as well. It wasn't just the singer. But the thing is that the albums feel like they're really a cohesive piece of music. It doesn't feel like it's just, hey, I'm going to have a song with this guy and this guy, and we're going to throw them all together here, and we've got a record. It really feels like it's a singular piece of music, and I think that's a testament to him picking the right singers, having a clear vision for what the album is going to be, and then getting all those guys together to work the way that they do. And you can clearly tell that he has great friendships with these folks. Um, especially I would say Wayne Hussey, um, who's been back a couple of times, Ashton Knight, they seem to really work well together. Mm -hmm. And is it Michael Rosen? Is it, yeah. is it Rosen? Uh, Ro Roson, I believe. Uh, we'll, we'll get the correction from. Yeah, exactly. And they work really well together too. That, for sure. And, uh, you know, so listening to this, uh, A, you know, he's, had a great list of collaborators on the first release and, and even the re-envisioned and then a couple of return efforts, which are fantastic and some, some new blood too, which really was exciting. Uh, Steven Siebold's contribution was fantastic mm -hmm. on this album. Now I will say this because uh, I've heard a couple of the tracks that released early, you know, they had a video out and that sort of thing. And then uh, they did kind of sprinkle a teaser with almost pure, not too long ago. So I put that on repeat for a day too. What's funny is, you know, I told him in the original, you know, question and answer we had with him uh, last year that, you know, the, the album kind of reminded me of stuff when I heard it for the first time, when I heard those bands like Cheap Trick and King's X and stuff, and that excited me. This was a bit of a different twist that excited me in that when I heard this, and this is no way like trying to make a comparison, but I almost kind of felt like I could be watching Brandon Lee and the Crow to the way some of the textures of this album came out. Mm -hmm. you know I, mean? mm -hmm. I could just see the dark rain. I could see the shadow of features sitting in it, that sort of thing. There was a lot of visuals that came to mind as I'm listening. And the bass was full and heavy and fantastic. There's lots of really tasty use of not only guitar, but keyboard work. The drums are really solid. I mean, of course, you know, when you're putting your effort into it, you're going to pay attention to those details, but everything sat so well. And I listened to it on headphones. I listened to, listened to it on my studio monitors and it was consistent all the way around and everything just translated so nicely. And not to mention, you know, sometimes people get, feel a little sense of disconnect when another vocalist comes in from track one, the track two, et cetera. But every, like you said, everything felt very, consistent and cohesive like it was a, a solid piece of work and everybody involved employed passion all the way around and you can definitely hear that vocally you can hear it on the instruments the whole nine when you just said the crow mm -hmm. and i was like oh my the delicate balance of all things would fit perfectly mm -hmm. yeah movie. you're right that was a good call yeah and even the outside has a nice dark vibe that would fit that too mm -hmm. yeah i can't get enough of his voice yeah, so good. Um, Joe, what were your initial thoughts? Well, um, you know, an album like this isn't exactly in my wheelhouse all the time, so that's another reason that why I really liked listening to it because it was brand new, like Paul was talking about, something that, uh, you know, not that I was looking for something to like because I really went into it neutral. And uh, and and, it, and he's he said it all as far as the textures and the sound and and as you do add all these. Um, guests musicians you know it's not just a track featuring so-and-so for the sake of having them on the track you know they did they they 
blended right in as if they were writing part of the story as well. So, you know, as it picked up in the first couple of tracks, you kind of get settled in and then it, it kind of shakes you out of that, out of that mood and it, it changes. It doesn't take you on a, on a roller coaster ride by any means, but it's blended well, as Paul said. And, and I was, I was impressed by the, by the song structure, by the musicality of it all, by the musicians and their talents and just, the blend of everything. I did feel like everything is working together. So um, we'll get into it more as the tracks go along. But yeah, that was my my first impression. I had no idea what to think about, uh, what to base it off of. So that, that was actually kind of nice to not have any preconceived notion of what it should sound like. Steve did a good job not saying, oh, this is going to sound like, uh, you know, something to you. He just said, I think you're, you're going to enjoy it. And he was right. So yeah, I get the feels all over it. You know, at one point I'm feeling like, you know, there's that cure angle and mm-hmm. uh, there's just every once in a while, I'm just like, ah, that one hits the sweet spot. That is, you know, <laughs> that guitar work takes me right back and um, it's excellent. Why don't we just go ahead and, and go through by track? There's only seven. It looks like number seven will probably take us two hours to talk about. because it's 29. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what an ambitious piece that was, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with The Outside featuring Ashton Knight. Yeah, sorry. I am pulling up something on my screen real quick here so I can have some cliff notes. Bear with me. I, I like, I, I can jump in, Paul, if you're yeah, not go ready. For it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think when you sit down to make an album, I think a lot of people want to get out with just an uppercut, you know, kind of a sucker punch, something fast, something loud, something that'll blow you away. And I'm actually like the albums that start a little slower. And this one just broods from the beginning. Um, but you notice the, the, the how the synth and the guitar work well and you know the the first impression of an album you know is the first minute or so of the opening track and and this one i think as you listen through it over and over again and every time i listen to this because it is seven tracks you can listen to it all in one setting and you get the full flavor you don't pick out you know kind cruelty just to listen to that all it was one of the most uh musically you know interesting i thought as far as you know being catchy and things like that of course you don't look for catchy on an album like this either but this was a great introduction to the to the album as a whole, to the story as a whole. So uh, good opening tune. I like the brooding atmosphere of it to kick things off. Yep. You can't go wrong with, with Ashton Knight. His voice is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, his relationship with Michael, you can see it all over this. I mean, the whole piece is fantastic. And one thing, I don't know we really mentioned it yet, but with them being, or each song having a different singer, it just starts that rabbit hole. After I heard him on the first one, I instantly went, he's got a band, The Awakening. You know, good stuff there. And and so every time you hear one of these new people, it's just like, hey, I can go find their music. And it's an entry, you know, into a lot more music, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, I was going to say on on this one as well, excuse me, in my clip notes here. And by no means, I don't know if this was necessarily intentional, but it definitely has a full nod to the disintegration era album from the cure for me mm-hmm. just the way that oh sorry i'm hitting stuff here i'm so excited uh the way <laughs> the drums and the bass just tie together it's kind of the foundation and you know the guitar is textural there's keyboards that are textural in this as well um ashton is just really laying the vocals on thick in a great way i mean it just sounds so good um you know one one of the things that i challenge with when i make music is having good sounding reverb and adding space to 
recorded sounds in my tiny little room and everything just sounds huge and, and beautiful. And one of my favorite parts in the song, and I even told Michael this in, in a little, Hey, spoiler alert. I loved your album kind of uh, commentary. There's a moment where I think it's, it may be some guitar, but it's a gritty sound and just this drone and the drums keep going. And my hair raises every time I hear that because <laughs> it's just, Oh, it just has a power and feel to it that just really kind of, takes a break. It's like the white space from everything else going on. And then it kicks back in. You know what I mean? So just those little pieces of attention to detail in the songwriting really stood out to me. And, and this track was a, a great opener for that. Yeah. I think the music here was a little more subdued than on some of them as well, just to kind of give his voice a little room <laughs> uh, to work its magic. Um, I don't think it was quite as busy as some of the others, maybe. Sure. Yeah. That's and my lack of knowledge. No, but musically, <laughs> but you know, with that, I mean, there, there's breathing room, and this the song has a lot of room to breathe, and there's a lot of room for that space. Like I'm talking about those textures and things too. So they all have room to play, and that's that's wonderful. And I, I definitely look forward to picking his brain uh, when we get a chance to talk to him about you know kind of the intentions behind it, and maybe even what kind of toys he played with to get some of those sounds. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting when you talk about not only the sounds that are coming forward, but when you when you do listen for the the air in the room almost or the 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 silence in between and in a record like this that has so many big vocal lines and so many big reverby guitar lines uh reverby being an actual musician's word you know having that that moment of silence because the silence paul's right absolutely is is as effective as the sounds themselves so makes for a really cool effect overall What'd you guys think of Almost Pure? Now, this is our second time working with, well, not working with, but uh, mm -hmm. checking out Stephen Siebold. Well, actually the third time because he had uh, Mute and he had Standalone. Oh, yeah. that's right. Back-to-back -back releases that we did. So, so we snuck one in there. But yeah, um, this song is interesting too because uh, I remember Michael saying that first time that one of the main rules was no keyboards on the first album. And what does this song start with? Keyboards. keyboards. Uh, you know, and... Uh, I think that uh, Stephen's voice on, on this is very raw, very intimate. Um, it's, you know, a slower tune, but it, it just really has a lot of chance to build and, and his voice really shines with those moments as well. Yeah. And I'm not surprised there are keyboards here with Stephen being on it. Uh, <laughs> that's something that he really loves. I wonder if he had to talk uh, Michael into doing it. Or if Michael just had an idea that with, with Steven, that that's probably what was going to happen, maybe. Or mm -hmm. maybe that's why he intentionally got him as he wanted to incorporate it. I don't know. That's something we'll have to ask him. Yeah, for sure. And I know that with uh, Beauty Re-Envisioned, a lot of the remixes and reinterpretations had keyboards in it after all. So maybe that was kind of a, hey, you know what? That rules out the equation this time. Let's let's just write some some tunes and let whatever happen, happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What did you think, Joe? I thought this is the first track, uh, besides the synth and guitar, it's it's the introduction to the the interesting drum work on this album. I thought it had some good drum lines in there and they're hanging out in the background. But again, just like we've said, there's a balance. So the drums don't hang out in the back. They work just as uh, much in the foreground as they do everything else, which is another aspect of this record that I really like. So that's what struck me was the drums on that track. And I wasn't mad that we had two slower uh you know i've used the word brooding before tracks on the beginning of the album uh, because it was it was building to something so mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and that brings us to temple of desire featuring rafe perlman 
Were you guys familiar? I'm not familiar with Rafe. No, this is the first time I've, I've ever heard him. And I admittedly haven't had a chance to dig deeper and I look forward to doing it. I really liked the way this song kind of played out. It, it, uh, turn the distortion down a little bit and just get some nice broken up guitar and some kind of classic stylings and, and riffing going with it. And not, not to mention just really cool um, experimenting with chord voicings and stuff too. And, and his falsetto really did a, a nice, nice job with um, you know, the, the vibe of the song as well. Um, plus you get to hear a little shaker action in there. I mean, I know that sounds like <laughs> I'm bringing that up, but you know, nonetheless, I mean, it's, it's nice right. when you can play with some extra percussion and, and add there's, there's room for that kind of stuff. So again, attention to detail and, and really just letting things sit properly in, in the tunes, you know, that's, this album hit me in the right moment. I mean, I, I won't go into my summary now, but just every time I got to another track, I was like, all right, yeah, cool, cool. You know what I mean? And it, uh, it, it kept my attention the whole time. I really want to go listen to more of his work. The vocals were so different from the first two. So, well, even the first two were very different from each other, but this one's very different. His voice is almost kind of ethereal. It just sort of floats over the top of the music where the other ones are kind of deep and embedded in the music. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This one just kind of hovered up there above it, um, sort of sounded angelic in a way. Yeah, and, the timbre uh, of it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, no, say, no. The timbre of it kind of, and by no means, if this is not intentional, and I don't mean it as an insult, but I, I heard a little bit of Tom York and I heard Roy Orbison at the same time. Oh, know, yeah. Just, just in the vocal quality. And it was, it was very welcomed and very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. It was perfect for this track. I had written dreamy vocals on mine, so it's funny. We have almost, we've got synonyms anyway. <laughs> Let me get the thesaurus. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quick, Paul, come up with a third. Fantastic. <laughs> no, that doesn't cut it. No, sorry. <laughs> buttery. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, buttery is perfect. <laughs> All right. That, oh, the next one is uh, Kind Cruelty, right? Yeah. With Curse yes. Mackey. Mm -hmm. And this was one that was released early uh, mm -hmm. as a video. And uh, it would be your radio song off of this, most likely. And yeah. I, I, I used it earlier. I said it's the sweet spot for me. And this one definitely does. That guitar work really takes me back. So it's such a great hook. The chorus is super catchy. It's not a sweet chorus. <laughs> it's got some, some pretty heavy lines in there, but it's definitely catchy. So I love, this was, uh, this is a song I could go back to and listen over and over and over and over and over forever. Yeah, it, <clears throat> this definitely does have um, some of that post-punk vibe to it as well. It's like you're saying with the guitar work and just the nice bass line. And uh, uh, I really like the way his vocals are in here as well. It, there's just a nice dynamic that goes on. And, um, you know, for me, when I try to have kind of a, a low voice like that, I, it, I have a hard time keeping pitch and my voice gets tired. So I give him kudos for, you know, being able to em employ his sound so well. Yeah. Uh, it almost had a metallic sort of nature to his voice. And I don't, I don't know how better to say that, but it was low, like you said, and it was kind of not monotone, but it definitely kind of was even keel, but there was something to it. It just had like a metallic edge. Mm -hmm. this Maybe they did something, you know, in the computers to to do that i don't know it'd be a question to ask sure and there's a little bit of an element um that it reminded me and by all means his doesn't sound doctored to me but skinny puppy 
had um, some releases where uh, the vocalist was doing some deeper kind of almost that throat vocal vibe from, you know, Buddhist monks, that the Tuvan throat vocal and that sort of thing. But I mean, of course it's not going into that, that extreme. It's just, it just has that low vibration similar to it nonetheless. Um, but, you know, what he did certainly was a lot more consistent because, again, Skinny Puppies sound like it may have been manipulated and sampled and a little bit of broken up in, in uh, computers to to give it some extra abstract nature where his is just seems more organic. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? I would pick up the tempo, you know, quite a bit on this one, too. So, you know, whether it's the, the fact that it has a, a better melody line to it, just more uh, a longer melody line that makes it sort of like you know quote unquote radio track uh i i really enjoyed it too i liked i liked that it went upbeat right there again i'm big on the track order here and in the just the overall uh construction of the album uh it, it drove it was like like you know you're not going to sing along with it necessarily but i did find myself humming it uh, off album you know a couple hours later <laughs> subconsciously so it, it's it's in there it's an earworm and if you're going to pick up any comparisons i don't know up to this point it's hard to compare this to anything this may have it's definitely unique but this might be the the only track that you can really compare it to anything so maybe your technique of not telling me what to listen for exactly came from the fact that it's it's really incomparable so in a good way yeah absolutely and i really do love the wordplay um, sort of the oxymoronic nature of kind cruelty, um, mm -hmm. and then a delicate and damaging, the brutality of beauty. I don't know. Those are just, I love when people put together clever phrasing and definitely did it here. The days of, you know, creative songwriting, it's missed a lot of times with, uh, some of the contemporary music. You're a stupid hoe. Yeah. You're a stupid hoe. Mm. I've seen that five <laughs> times. All right. We got to hit. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we understand. We understand. Yeah. Yeah, this is a nice far cry from that in the best way possible. Absolutely. So that comes to the delicate balance of things, of all things, mm -hmm. with Wayne Hussey. Um, he works with Wayne quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously you can tell they, they work seamlessly together. And Wayne has one of those voices that as he's aging, it gets better and better. It's gruff. It's seasoned. Um, I won't say like, Johnny Cash got older and his voice got great, you know, as, as he aged. Uh, Wayne's not quite there yet, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, but his voice is doing a similar thing. And I love uh, this song. I love the way it feels. I love the way it sounds. I love his voice. This is definitely a home run. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this song, when I heard it the first time when I saw the video, a couple of things stood out. A, the bass line, because if I were playing bass in a band and somebody brought me this song, I would just have so much fun holding down the groove with this <laughs> this passage the whole time and to the point where it's like all right can we play that again you know what i mean <laughs> as sad as that may sound it's very indulgent for me in that regard it's satisfying and um the other part that stood out is the fact that wayne's not singing very loudly and to get vocals to stand out and where you can hear that it's kind of a soft passionate texture and still be able to really blend in the mix without being buried. I mean, I know compression and things like that. Uh, the engineer knows what he's doing for sure, but I just love it when it's put together like that. And you can just really have a nice contrast to something that's dark. Sounds like it has some dynamic to it, but the vocals just definitely um, 
you know, or right in your ear. It's like zooming in on somebody's face for a tight shot. He's doing that vocally. What'd you think, Joe? I thought melodically, uh, it was one of the stronger tunes. <laughs> it's, I have a, I have a friend and, and it actually reminded me, I played music with a guy in college and, and we made, uh, one record together and it kind of reminded me of, of his drum style. So my buddy, Tony kind of reminded me of a, a drum line he would come up with. It's always nice. Okay. So drummers, you have to keep in check, right? You have to like, you can't let them write songs or sing on a track, but you can let them be creative behind the kit and you can let them bring a few toms. But when they start bringing in racks and like, well, we're not doing the rush show yet, but you know, when they, when they want to be a Neil Pert and we're just playing like in a bar gig, like, uh, so you really got to rein them in. But, but I, I was really pleased with the, with the drum line on this. And it, it, it was a throwback to playing with my buddy, Tony and some things that he did that just, I don't know. It it doesn't seem like much, but it's a little bit of an extra mile type thing where you're doing more than just keeping the beat. And mm-hmm. when you can use percussion as an element that uh, steps up to the to the uh, the forefront of the music too, I, I was I like that as well. So another good track. Beautimus. Beautimus. Yeah, that's so good. Um, next one, Stranger, uh, featuring Cat Leon. Leon, I'm not sure how you say her last name, but um, she is new to me, and apparently she's fairly new to the scene. We're hoping at some point we'll have her on the show in the future, with any luck. Mm-hmm. But uh, she is fantastic. Her voice is wonderful, and the song is haunting. It is like loss of identity, or you know, nowhere to turn. Um, I mean, the line "She's a stranger." to myself um i don't know as i read those lyrics over and over it's a a, a very sad song um everything dies everything dies it's a cruel life i mean there is nothing happy here somebody basically seems like to me has lost their identity and can't find it and the way she sings it is perfect it comes across uh musically it's it's wonderful uh this is one of my favorite songs on the album and and that's based on I think more the meaning and the lyrics, but um, yeah, fantastic. I love it. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, things I love about the song too. I mean, a, her voice. Awesome. She's got a band called Holy Wars. Um, I did dig in and do some listening, which was really cool. And then she's the, and her, some of her solo efforts. Uh, she did silent all these years by Tori Amos. I don't know if you gave a ch- had a chance to give that a listen, but mm-hmm. that's a really cool uh, rendition and, and, uh, version of that tune definitely brings it into a darker world but it's really fitting for you know especially after hearing stranger you can see that influence and element too i love the guitar in this as well i love the kind of the sustaining notes and you know the synth with it and everything just really kind of it's almost like after you know the storm before the calm if you will you flip that phrase the calm before the storm you know or even after the storm where the clouds are just kind of rolling by and you know it's cooled down everything's just kind of wet and i mean that's kind of how this feels to me that's the visual that comes is you know the humidity's coming back and um you know, the, the worst, wow, sorry, I'm hitting things again. I did. Sorry guys. I'm just, I can't help myself, but it, it just really just lays that depth and, and reverb on thick and, and you just kind of feel yourself getting buried in it. And, and it, it really makes cat stand out too. This is the tune that started with piano too, right? I'm thinking, right. I know there's, it features piano a lot, uh, which is 
not a synthesizer track. There's a couple songs mm. uh, with piano on here. Mm -hmm. uh, were a nice Desire. Yeah, Temple of Desire started off with the piano. Um, Stranger, I believe, started off with um, just kind of a low brooding texture. Mm -hmm. Kind of just uh, gradually built in. But I believe it featured a piano sound, right? I don't know what I was thinking. I wrote piano on this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my notes. We're going back to it. <laughs> yep. We will revisit. Uh, but uh, I had written haunting as well. Stealing from Steve notes, Steve's notes, uh, before I even <laughs> knew them. It's got the reverb guitar. I just thought it was a beautiful song overall, interplay between her voice. Uh, you can tell she's a, a passionate singer. And as we mentioned before, all the musicians brought the passion on it, and she did not disappoint. So, yeah. And I can't wait to listen to some of her, to uh, the one you'd mentioned, the Tori Amos song, and, mm -hmm. and her band as well. I want to see what she does on her own because. Great voice. Love it. Yeah, very interesting for sure. It's good stuff. All right, gentlemen, that brings us to the storm before the calm, the big boy, the 29-minute epic mm -hmm. in three parts. Now, if I understand correctly, this is a CD-only release. You know, we couldn't fit it on the vinyl, but uh, you know, we, we got a little added bonus in, in our review, so this, this is cool. And <clears throat> yeah, a, a long song and and you know it's a massive undertaking you can say epic for sure uh it certainly the thing that's nice is the fact that within that time it doesn't go stagnant it it definitely evolves and new things happen and and new uh moods even change throughout the the work of it yeah i i've listened to the entirety of it three times now i will listen more but you know getting ready for the show we haven't had it that long and that's an hour and a half of listening to one song. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure I'm going to pick up even more. Uh, but I really, really love it. And it it moves really, I don't know, it's, it's kind of cool how it moves through uh, from part to part. It kind of builds at times and then it'll take a step back. Uh, at one point, I thought it started to sound like um, a natural disaster because it, it has a couple of hard-hitting notes as it builds up and then it stops. And then I went back and listened and it was not. But kind of reminded me of that but i like how it does that and then at, at the end i mean what kind of balls do you have to put in an operatic piece on an album like this and it worked mm -hmm. i i don't listen to opera <laughs> i know it's not a go-to <laughs> but it, it seemed to work here i don't know it was kind of a nice you know culminating effect uh to get to the end of that and have a little opera piece on there yeah and i'm trying to remember where it happened there was one point where um, like the synths were just kind of, I want to say it's probably around 20 minutes or so, and don't hold me to that, but the guitar just kind of had, or not guitar, but the keyboards have kind of like a pad that just goes and then there's some like really, um, minimal lead, you know, you just hear this note kind of bend and it fades off with reverb and stuff like that. But I was completely reminded of Blade Runner and just the vibe. Oh from from the first film and how you know that synthesizer just kind of added the the mood of the scene that you were seeing and um it was definitely uh refreshing in that regard just just to hear 
you know, I, I just saw Rutger Howard's face right there in front of me. You know, he's sitting in the rain and he's kind of giving his last speech before he <laughs> passes away and uh, it fades off to, to, you know, no longer a cybernetic organism. But it was it was awesome. I was like, wow, I I, I was kind of taken aback and that, you know, it took me on a journey. And then from there, it took me to this completely different place from, you know, the crow and the cure and that kind of thing from the things that I, I uh, you know, got the other elements of joy from. So well-rounded, well done. As a lot of albums will stick a track like this, it's hard to find one that's this long, but anytime you have a track that's uh, experimental in nature, that's it's as ambitious as this track, uh, you almost wonder if it's put on there as an afterthought or you know what the composition process was. And I didn't find myself questioning that. I didn't think it was just slapped together. I didn't think it was somebody just playing around with, with noisemakers in the studio. Uh, it, it is crafted the way a piece of classical music would be crafted, and it's it's giving. Um, I think it keeps the listener in mind. At one point, one of the passes when I listened through it, I uh, when you, there was a part with some samples where there were just little samples of spoken word things. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I wish we all had time marks for this. To, we can go back and reference and listen to just those parts. But I remember hearing those, and then at the at the almost exact moment. I thought to myself, oh, yes, it needed something right there. So it was almost like they were, you know, conscientious of the fact that the listener was going to, you know, what is our attention span for for songs anyway, unless they're going to stay interesting? How much do you have that you've got them captivated? Five or six minutes and about that mark, you know, I was kind of drifting off and then they brought me back. And uh, and to end the thing on such a low note, you know, the, one of the passes that I listened through, I thought, oh, that it stopped. Um, because I, I don't know how you guys listen to it. I had to load it into like a media player on my phone um, because it wasn't on Spotify or, or anything like that. So um, I thought, oh, the, the album's over. And then I, I listened and there were still some like faint noises just kind of like popping up here and there. Thought, oh, well done, well done. Um, so the 29 minutes, you know, I'd say kept my attention pretty well just because there was always something new coming or happening. And about the time you felt like it should be showing up there. It was so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I got lost in what you were saying. Cause there was a point I wanted to bring up, but it'll, it will come back to me. Do you have any uh, summary foggy? No, I pretty much said what I thought before. I, the one thing I would add though, is this is a headphone listener. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to be listening to in the car. You're going to miss a lot of stuff, but if you have your mm-hmm. headphones on, you can actually concentrate and put a little effort into it. You're definitely going to be rewarded because there is a lot going on. I mean, we just, we've talked, you know, about Trent and ghosts and some of his, his stuff. And it's very similar. There's lots of little nuanced things that go on in there. And if you have your headphones on, you're paying attention, you'll get them. And mm-hmm. I think you get the same thing here. Like Joe was saying with some of the sampling and little things that go in here and there to just mix it up a little bit. And it makes a big difference mm-hmm. when you're listening with headphones. And it definitely is a very interesting song. I would be interested interested to see what those that little commentary going on was and uh, and the purpose. I, I really want to find out why he added an opera at the end. What was it that that this album needed that? Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Kind of much like Dark Side of the Moon when you're hearing elements that 
you know, you can't really discern exactly what's going on, but you notice it at least, you know, it's part of the art, right? And, you know, it's like, why did the, the painter smear the brush a certain way around somebody's face or something? Is there, you know, a, a metaphor with that, whatever the case may be, but, um, you know, we'll get to pick his brain and that will be super, super exciting. Okay. Any last comments on this song? Are we ready to review the whole album and give it a score? Let's, let's give it a score. Mm-hmm. Let's score it. Okay. For me, I would say I'm going to give this uh, four and a half out of five. Uh, it was nearly, I mean, I, I, I don't ever want to just throw the fives out and give perfection on anything unless it is super unbelievably perfect. I'll give it a four and a half. That's about as close as it gets. And one thing I can honestly say, since we've been doing this show now, a year and a half, it's hard to go back sometimes and listen to records that we review because we're constantly going on to a new record the next week. And so I don't always get to listen to just what I want to listen to because I always feel like I got to prepare for the next show and listen to the new music. But I can honestly say I've gone back many times and listened to the first two prior to this because I really, really, really do like them. I mm-hmm. think they're fantastic records. A lot of love went into them. There's a lot of passion in these projects and it shows in the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely, th- these, sit with me really well. And so I'm going to give it a four and a half and I guarantee you, I will be continuing to listen to this going on into the future. Boom. Joe? I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, it's my introduction to the band. And like uh, Steve said, I'll, I'll dig back into the catalog. That's my homework. Um, and I'll stay with this album as well. It's, it's, I think it's really easy in this genre. And when you're making albums like this to shade into the cliche or to go to the, uh, the elements that you would expect to find in a record like this. And they didn't do that. So I really appreciate that. The, the, the drive to keep things fresh and passionate and just to, to stay original track to track to track, not to fall into a formula, not to just do what they're expected to do. Um, if you hear a band in the, you know, kind of goth industrial, you know, sort of brooding rock like this, Every track was fresh, and it was a it was a good listen all the way through. So I appreciated it, and it's uh, it's passion. Heck yeah! <clears throat> all right, I'm gonna see your four and your four point five. I'm gonna raise you a four point eight. Um, <laughs> you know, only because I haven't had had a lot of music that I mean, there, we've listened to some stuff that's been exciting this year. But um, let's face it, it's this so far has been my album of the year. Um, it's, it's been a top fave for sure, and I, I it really hit at the right time. And I think I even told, uh, I may have told Steven that in a message, but what, what it comes down to is look, we're, we're kind of in a weird time in, in the world. And much like in high school, when we were trying to find our identities and you could listen to bands like the cure and, um, you know, metal bands that just kind of helped get your feelings out. You know what I mean? Where, you know, like, Oh, heartbreak or, you know, feeling lonely and that type of things. And this kind of stuff really kind of helped you through that. This album had that dark green nature that kind of helps me feel like, all right, you know, this is helping express some of what I'm feeling being cooped up all the time and being, you know, stuck in my thoughts at late at night and that sort of thing. So this has been a nice 
therapeutic listen for for those moments and kind of gets me out of my head and in fact gets me thinking about man how do i get such an awesome bass tone like he did on this one so <laughs> in fact i already said foggy an outro track that was kind of influenced from from the uh the opener from just that thick bass tone so i don't think i did it justice but i gave it a, a you know a college try for sure and um, <laughs> really looking forward to inspiring tunes like this in the future to you know make me want to sit down and continue to write so 4.8 will listen again will continue to listen and i can't wait for my vinyl to show up in the mail once um they're able to get that pressed they've had to go through some delays given you know the pandemic and whatnot but i'll be patient i know it'll get here and you know it'll be a nice little piece in my collection yeah very cool yeah, if they keep on this uh, road where they're doing these long epics, we're going to have to introduce them to uh, Liza McClellan and the Deva girls and get some electric cello and violins in there. That's right. Yeah. That would be cool. Because everybody needs some prog rock violin and cello in their lives. Mm -hmm. So, excellent job, boys. Great record. Great record. I still, we're going to have to ask about this. We had touched on it before about a live performance somehow getting everybody together to do that. And he had talked about it. And now I'm sure with the pandemic, everything is off the table at this point, but I hope at some point they really are planning to, to do something and then record. It would be amazing. Mm -hmm. So those of us who couldn't make it or other people couldn't make it, they could actually see it. Well, if anything, at least they're, they're doing music videos and they're putting mm -hmm. nice packages together that way. So you are getting a taste of the band outside of just the, the listening mm -hmm. experience, which is super cool. You're getting a nice visual representation of, of, uh, their sonic imagery yeah and you know I, I another thing i think is really cool and you can tell that the the musicians appreciate what they're doing when they did uh re-envisioned i mean some of them came back in and completely redid the song ashton knight redid that whole song last time and they you know made it acoustic and they shot another video for it i mean these guys are completely into this project and i think that's probably why it, it flows so well from song to song is everybody has their heart in it Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, willing to do to give yourself two, you know, for two straight albums, uh, I think that's pretty impressive, and I think that says a lot uh, about Michael's character and what he's trying to do here. Yep, absolutely. So, looking forward to chat with him about it. So, listeners, definitely stay tuned. We'll have him on board, and um, we'll we'll uh, definitely wax all things beauty and chaos. Yeah, the plan right now is he will be recording with us on June seventh. And so the show will be out June 8, June 9, depending on, on schedules. But um, we'll definitely be posting in the future about that, let you guys know it's coming. Sweet. Great job. Okay, next week, I will have Lester Bangs. We will be coming up with songs that make us giggle via Mr. Mundy. We're going to review the 40th anniversary of Permanent Waves by Rush. Three songs are already out that you can listen to. They are delicious. I cannot wait to hear the rest of them. And then, uh, like we said, in two weeks, we'll catch up with Mr. Cirovolo. Mr. Rife, where can we find you? Find me on them Instagrams, LRay4, E-L-R-E-Y, number four. KPV. Find me on the Instagrams under Just Plain Paul, all one word. And you can find me on the Facebook page at Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Excellent. You can find me at Foggy's Pal on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering at rock985.com. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and CastBox. 
I think that covers us, right? I think so. I think we're covered. Basically, you have no excuse not to be listening to us. If you can't find it on that list, I don't know. I worry about you. (laughs) Worry about us. All right. Thank you so much, gentlemen. And we will see everybody back here same time next week. Bye now. Bye-bye. Groovy play out. Here we come.